The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, your cell phones, whatever you're working with, just lift it up real high and make a commitment. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Genesis chapter number 1 from verse 26 to 28. We've been talking about the God kind of prosperity. I know last week I said that it was our uh, a final installment, but you know the Lord began to give me some more stuff around this, and I just thought we could probably add one or two in the same uh, space. So we talked about how there are different worldviews uh, when it comes to prosperity. The world's worldview uh, for prosperity is to get all you can, can all you get, and sit on your can. Basically, uh, the world is saying, uh, uh, we want to get rich by all means necessary. If we have to lie, if we have to cheat, if you have to kill, man, we're going to do it. In fact, the world come up with phrases like, get rich or die trying. Because to them, money and stuff is just that important. But then there's another, uh, at the end of another spectrum, there's another view that I like to call the religious view of prosperity. And uh, I'm not using the word religious here in a positive uh, way. I'm using it in a completely negative way. Uh, It sounds spiritual, but it's not biblical. So the religious uh, point of view says, you know, right now, Lord, I don't want too much. I just want enough to pay for all my bills uh, 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 every month. I just want enough for my Vodacom bill, my MTN bill, uh, for my car payment, and to just keep up with my mortgage. Because right now, I ain't even thinking about nobody else. I don't care about anybody else that's struggling, and I'm not even thinking about help. I added that part. Usually, they don't think that part, but essentially, that's what they're saying. They're saying, I want just enough for me, because I'm just thinking about me, myself, and I. The biblical worldview is found in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, where it says God will liberally give, generously give you everything that you need. And so that you can have everything that you need and plenty left over so that you can share with others or you may abound unto every good work. That's the biblical kind of prosperity. It believes God for more, not so that you can consume it upon your lustful desires, but so that you can be a blessing. Amen? And this is the mindset that we need to have uh, when dealing with the subject uh, of prosperity. And so scripture says in Genesis 1, 26 to 28, God spoke and said, let us make human beings uh, in our image, make them reflecting uh, our nature. I'm reading in the message. uh, So that they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. And we see a semicolon there. 
open inverted commas. Again, we are reading the words that proceeded out of God's mouth, uh, primarily into Adam and Eve's ears, and ultimately into you and me. Amen? Amen. And God said to his children, which is what he's saying again today, he told them to prosper. So it is God's will for you to prosper. God wants you to prosper for the reasons that we just spelled out. He told them, he said, prosper. He said, reproduce. He said, fill the earth. He says, take charge. Someone shout, I'm large and in charge. He says, be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. So after God said prosper, the second thing he told uh, his children, he told us, was to reproduce. And we said, this is not just limited to procreation. Amen? It goes beyond that. Because God could have planted the entire earth. No, no, no. God could have planted the entire universe. Amen? But he decided in his own wisdom that he was just going to plant a garden and give it to Adam as a prototype, a sample. And he told Adam, he said, now, you be fruitful in this and multiply. In other words, you, Adam, take the Garden of Eden and make it international. Amen? Amen? This is why straight after this verse, if you read verse 29 in the King James Bible, the Lord began to speak to Adam and he said, Look, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed and every fruit bearing seed also. Essentially what he was saying to Adam was, I want you to take notice that not only did I give you the Garden of Eden, I've also invested so much potential in what is called seed to the point where you can literally relocate the Garden of Eden to another location by moving the seed. And here I have to say, brothers and sisters, that uh, a seed technology uh, uh, only belongs to the deity class. You know, mankind have been able to make so many advances. We've made so many uh, medical advances. You know, we can uh, uh, see things on a microscope. I mean, we've made so many advancements in the technological world and so on and so forth. But if there's one thing mankind have not been able to create, it is seed. It belongs to the God class. It's a blessing that our Heavenly Father gave us so that we can be fruitful and multiply. Amen? Amen. I said, amen. amen. Wouldn't it be awesome for you to go to uh, the BMW dealership and buy a BMW X6, the 2020 version, but it comes with the power of seed in it. Wow. You can just take some seed and plant it at the back of your house, and in about six months, you'll be able to reap another X6. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? But no, mankind have not been able to create seed. Yet seed, the law of seed time and harvest is in operation. All of the aisles in our supermarkets are a testimony to the fact that this law is still in existence today. But the deception around seed and small things uh, that God gives you as seed form is that sometimes when you just look at seed as seed, you can miss the potential that is embedded in seed. How many of you know that you can count the seeds that are in a fruit, but you cannot certainly count the fruits that are in a seed? Because the potential in a seed is infinite. And so when God blesses you with a business idea, when he gives you a vision for a ministry, it's always going to come in seed form. 
And it is not to discourage you. It is to give you infinite potential. To the point where it can go as far as you want it to go. And this is why scripture says we should not despise the day of small beginnings or seed form beginnings. You shouldn't look at seed and discount it. Just because you don't see avocados. <laughs> you look at the seed and say, what do, I, what do I have need of this? In fact, I used to think that when I was young, I would get an avocado. We had an avocado tree uh, at our house and I would get an avocado. And my, my wisdom was, why did you have to put a little brown inconveniencing bowl right at the middle of this fruit? I could have just have the fruit and the skin. And all I would do is just peel off the, the, the skin, put a little sugar or salt, depending on where you come from. <laughs> and then just bite the whole thing. But now I have to deal with this little brown ball. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Now I have to deal with this little brown ball. Right? And I mean, what's up with this? It is because God just didn't want to feed you for a day. He wanted you to eat for a day, but beyond that, God also gave you infinite potential. So every time you eat something, before you complain about the seeds in the grapes. Man, I've heard people celebrate seedless grapes. That's dumb. You can only eat for a day. Man, I want some grapes with some seeds. It's a guarantee that my children's children are also going to enjoy this fruit called grapes. Amen. And so when God gives you an idea, it's always going to start small. Wouldn't it be awesome just to have God bless you with this big company that makes five million rand a day and it's already fully staffed with people that listen to you? (laughs) Man, that would be great. But that's not how it works, right? It always starts small, and God has to work with you. In fact, the reason why God said to Adam, now let's make this thing international together, it is because God is looking for co-laborers. God wants to do it with us. So he said to Adam, hey, Adam, we're going to work together and take the garden and make it international. What started as a garden is going to end in the book of Revelations as a high-tech city, 12 uh, foundations in it, all of them made out of precious stone, and man, you have the creativity, innovation, insight, revelation to bring it from a garden all the way to an international conglomerate. And he put all of that potential in Adam. Now, the question someone may have is, okay, Pastor T, I hear you. I agree. So how do we move this idea from small to big? Anybody has that question? That's what we're going to be talking about today. How do you move it from small to big? How do you move your organization, your company, your ministry, the vision that God has given you, how do you move it from a garden to being an international firm? Let's go to Matthew chapter number 25, and we're going to read from verse 19 to 29. Some of you who are in uh, 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 the, the, the space of uh, career at the moment, you're pursuing a certain career. This applies to you as well. How do you move from just being an analyst or uh, uh, entry level, whatever field, to, to being, you know, the, 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 at the high, uh, uh, well, to being the HNIC. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> to being the top dog. Amen. If you don't know what that means, forget about it. <laughs> Amen. Uh, to being right at the top. How do you move from that to, to being right there at the top? That's what we're going to be reading about. And this is Jesus teaching about the parable of the servants. And he said in the parable of the servants, just a a brief uh, preview before we start reading here. He says that there was a master who gave to his servants talents. Uh, To one guy, he gave him five. And uh, to another one, he gave him two. 
and to another one he gave him one. Jesus was actually a, a master uh, business tutor. A lot of people don't know that about Jesus. Jesus taught more on business and finances uh, than he did on faith and unbelief. Amen. Jesus taught more on business and finances uh, than he did on uh, he- heaven and hell. Yeah. Mm. Amen. Man, when you start reading the lessons of Jesus with uh, regards to business and marketplace, it's just awesome the things that Jesus was teaching and how they can revolutionize your life uh, completely. So, you know, Jesus said this man gave talents to one five, to another one two, and to another one one. And he gave them an instruction. He said, uh, if, you look, look, if you read Luke's rendition, he said in Luke 19.13, occupy until I come. He said, do business until I come. That's what it says in the NIV. With these talents that I've given you, do business until I come. And the scripture says in, uh, there, there it is. So he called uh, 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10, 10 minas, and said to them what? Do business till I come. So Jesus is not opposed to business. Can I get an amen? amen. And scripture says now in Matthew 25 verse 19, after a long time. Someone say after a long time. Come on, say it like you had breakfast. It says, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. Or he did, he had a reconciliation with them. So he that had received five talents came and brought another five, uh, saying, Lord, you delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained uh, five more talents besides them. Now, if you read that, Uh, in relation to what we just read in verse 19, uh, it implies that this didn't happen over a weekend. It was after a? Long time. You know, the, 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 the danger and the temptation is to think that this man got his five talents and then he went over there and then severe, 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 severe. And then he came back on Monday and he said, voila. Ten talents. That's the temptation. But scripture says it happened over a long time. And in my own imagination, I'd like to believe that this was over several transactions. He started off with five. He probably went, traded, and they had their year-end annual meeting. And he reported that they were now on three talents. So you didn't see it that way. And then they didn't stop. They kept coming back for more. So in the following year, they went back and traded. They were faithful with the talents that they were given. And uh, at the annual uh, year end, they reported that they had moved up to about 6.5. And then in the following year, they traded and they moved to about 7.23. And then they backed down to 5.5. Because it's not a science, it's an art. You just just never know. All you got to do is keep applying yourself in the marketplace. Amen? 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 Amen. And that's why scripture says in Galatians 6 verse 9, do not grow weary. Don't get tired of pursuing your calling. You know, you may have uh, challenging seasons. You may have challenging months. You may have challenging years. But scripture says, don't grow weary. Don't get tired. Don't back down. Don't grow weary in doing well, for you will reap in due season if you faint not. Mm. Amen? Amen? And so after a long time when they did the cumulative uh, uh, reconciliation, they found out that the man had made five other talents after a long time. Yeah. Not over a weekend. Amen? Amen. 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 
And sometimes I deal with people who graduate, and I, I was a victim of that too. You know, you graduate uh, uh, university, and when you're doing your master's, you know, you, you're dealing with a case studies around Steve Jobs. You know, Steve Jobs, what should Steve Jobs have done? And it makes you feel big. And then when you graduate uh, with your master's, you come to the marketplace, and usually they start you off as, a, as an analyst. And you say, what's my job description? They say, to color in spreadsheets. <laughs> like, hey, listen, I just graduated with a master's. Mm. And we were doing case studies around Steve Jobs. <laughs> so in your mind, you think everyone should vacate their offices and make you CEO, because you did a case study of, of Steve Jobs. <laughs> no, that's not how things work. Yeah. Everything with God starts off small. Amen. Was that encouraging? Amen. <laughs> and I didn't wear a suit jacket not to be encouraging, Amen. <laughs> I really am trying to be encouraging. But everything starts off small. But this guy learned something. If you continue reading, he said, His Lord said unto him, Well done, my good and what? Faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. This is the principle of promotion. Amen. Amen. He says, You have been faithful over a few things. Behold, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. This is a life principle. It's a life law. This is not a law as in, you know, the, the Ten Commandments, the do's and don'ts. This is not a law about going to heaven. It's not a law about your relationship with the Lord. It's a law about God uh, uh, bestowing influence over your life. He says, I will promote you. And the way God promotes is through faithfulness. When you are faithful over a few things, God promotes you and brings you over here where you are entrusted with much. Man, this set me free to know that God is the one that promotes. Some of you don't believe it. Let's read Psalm 75 verse 6. Thank you, Jesus. Because some of you are thinking, yeah, Pastor T, I've been faithful for a long time, but my boss keeps overlooking me. Some of you are saying, you know, Pastor T, I know I'm anointed. I'm, I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, and I have a ministry on my life, and my pastor keeps overlooking me. <laughs> what do you do when men overlook you? You realize this truth. In Psalm 75, verse 6 uh, to 7, in the King James, please, I know exaltation, it means the same thing. Uh, but I want to read uh, 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 it in, in its original context. It says, for what? Promotion. I didn't hear that. Promotion. I did not hear that. Promotion. It says, for promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west, nor from the south. So where does it come from? He tells us, next verse. But who? Your boss? Your pastor? The government? The dog? The hog? Or the frog? No. He says, but God is the judge. Amen. He putteth down one and setteth up another. So God ultimately is the one that brings promotion. So if men overlook you, it doesn't matter. Man, it would be tragic if there was no God, if men overlook you. But it's not so tragic. You know why? Because there is a God. There is a God who promotes. And there is a God who opens up doors for us. He says, because you are faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. I will open doors for you. It's just so awesome to know that you don't have to open doors for yourself. 
Because if you open doors for yourself, you may have to stand at the door to keep it open. Because if you go to the fridge and leave the door to try and get some water, someone may sneak up behind you and close that door behind you. In other words, if you bribe to try and open a door, you may have to keep bribing to keep it open. Amen? Amen. But when you realize that ultimately it's God, and no man can stop God, man, it's just an awesome place to be. To know that you don't have to manipulate anyone for promotion. You don't have to try and uh, pressure anyone. You don't have to self-promote. And here's my personal favorite. You don't have to suck up to anybody. Because you know that God is ultimately the ones that bring promotion. Man, it sets you free. Amen? Amen. He says, I will make you ruler over many things. He who had also received two talents, verse 22, said, Lord, you delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, well done, good, and what? Faithful servant, thou have been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he, which had received one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the earth. Lord, there you have what is thine, although you have uh, what is yours. Uh, you know, I used to feel sorry for this guy because after all, the other guy received how many? Uh, five, the other one received two. And poor guy, he only got one. You know, until I Googled what a talent is. A talent is about 33.3 kgs of gold, which equates to about 1.5 million US dollars, which equates to about 22 million rand. How many of you up in here would say, you know what, Tafara, if you gave me 22 million rand, I'll never talk to you this way. (laughs) You are a hard man. (laughs) Did you hear what this man said? To someone who just gave him 22, 22 million rand. Man, I would never talk to you this way if you gave me 22 million. I'd love you for, try me. (laughs) Amen. Test me in this, says Tafara. (laughs) Man, give me, I'll never talk to you this way. He says, I knew you to be a hard man, ripping where you have not strong, gathering where you have not. You know why he talks like this? Because he is entitled. There's a difference between stewardship and entitlement. Entitlement is a sickness. It's a problem. And it short circuits promotion. Moving right along. I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the earth. Lord, there you have what is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I strode not and gather where I have not strode. Therefore, you should have taken my money to the exchanges And then at my coming, I should have received mine with usury, or I would have received my money with interest. Why is he talking this way? Because uh, when, when, when the master gave this one guy one talent, he blessed him with two things. He blessed him, first of all, with uh, a talent which equates uh, to, to money, right? Right? And he also gave him a long time to go with it. 
How many of you would say this is a good combination? Give me 22 million and leave me alone for a long time. (laughs) Amen? So this guy was blessed with two very powerful things. But because of his entitlement, it short-circuited the entire system. And so the master responds to him. He says, you should have taken my money to the bankers so that at my coming I would have received my money plus interest. That's the least you should have done. Now, he makes a conclusion to this. And it's a hard saying, but it's a powerful principle that when you apply it in the marketplace, man, you'll see promotion everywhere you go. This is what Jesus says to this uh, man. Verse 27. uh, Verse 28. Take, therefore, the talent from him and give it unto him which has ten talents. Did you read that? Is it in your Bible? This is Jesus speaking. Evidently, (laughs) Jesus is not Robin Hood. Did you see that? He's not taking from, I mean, you and I probably would have responded to this complaint. You are a hard man. You gave me 22 million. You are a hard man. Then I would have gone to the guy, 220 million. You know what? I think that guy there is a little bit offended that, you know, we didn't do this. No, take from the guy with one talent. Did you read that? This is Jesus saying, take. From the guy with one talent, give it to that guy over there with, uh, with, with ten talents. Why, Jesus? Here's what he says, verse 29. For unto everyone that has shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from him that has not shall be taken away even that which he has. What is he saying? Is he talking about the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer? What is he talking about? Remember, we say the talent equates to money, right? And money, what money really is, is just an opportunity. Money in the word of God represents opportunities. That's what it is. It's just an opportunity. So when he's talking about talents, and when Jesus gets to the part where he says, I'm taking away his talent and give it to the guy with ten talents, he's not talking about taking away his skill. He's not talking about taking away his ability. No, because scripture says in Romans uh, 11, verse 29, that the skill, the gifts, and the callings of God are without repentance. They are irrevocable. When God gives you a talent, he does not take it away from you. So here he's not talking about taking away the ability to sing and giving it to a guy over here who had 10 talents. He was an artist. He was an engineer. That's not what he's talking about. You get the picture? But what he will take away from you and give to another person is opportunities. So what the one guy talent lost was an opportunity. He had a beautiful voice. He just didn't have anywhere to sing anymore. Because of unfaithfulness. Did you get that? We're talking about the economics of of opportunities. God spoke this to me while I was writing Grace in the Marketplace. And he said, Tafara, go and tell my children that I will take away opportunities in a hurry from people who are unfaithful and give it to people who will take advantage of them. 
And he also refuted a great lie that's told in the world uh, today. If you've been around uh, any economic studies, one of the first things they tell you is that economics is the study of uh, scarce resources. That's not true. Resources are not scarce. It doesn't matter how fast you breathe, I'm, you breathe, I'm still going to get mine. God didn't create this uh, earth to be in, in, in scarcity. No, there are opportunities everywhere. That's why Jesus said the harvest is what? Plentiful. There are opportunities everywhere. He said the harvest is plentiful. The problem is the laborers. It is the people to take advantage of these opportunities. Have you ever met these people who just swim in opportunities and you wonder what's going on? I mean, this guy has got a really good job. He's a DJ. He's a model. They just called him to do acting. And he's also getting married at the weekend. And you're like, what's up? I'm not even getting a date. <laughs> This guy's got all these opportunities. What is going on? It's called the economics of opportunities. If you're taking down notes, write this down. Opportunities flow in the direction of faithfulness. I've never sent out an email. I've never sent out a motivation letter. I've never sent out uh, 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 anything to try and self-promote or asking someone uh, to invite me to preach. You know, my name is Tafara. Do you know that I can preach? <laughs> I've never done that. All I've attempted to do is to be faithful Amen. with every single opportunity that God brings my way. Amen. That's why scripture says in Colossians 3 verse 23, it says whatsoever you find your hands to do, do it with your entire heart, wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. Because it is of the Lord that you will receive your reward. Man, everything you find your hands to do. And it's interesting that, uh, verse 23, uh, please, engineer. It's, it's interesting that he says in verse 23, uh, and uh, 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 the glamorous things you find to do. Did you see that? What did he say? And? I didn't hear that. And? What, what? And I've met these young people, graduate school, they get into uh, the office, we give them a, a really... Uh, uh, law position so they can prove themselves and uh, you know we, we, we turn around and ask them hey how has it been going they say man I, you know I'm just kind of putting in 25% at the moment you know uh, until they promote me when they make me the boss I'm going to start putting in 100% <laughs> man you're short circuiting the system yeah. amen? amen I said amen, amen. <laughs> because your ultimate boss is not your boss your boss is important you should honor him and love him but there's another boss that we report to who is higher than your boss Oh, and this one, this, this boss that I'm talking about is omnipresent. Yeah. Hey. If you ever get excited when the boss is out of town, <laughs> you're probably unfaithful. Yeah. Was that encouraging? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you get on the phone, hey, you know, these days uh, it's awesome at work. <laughs> Man, you probably, you probably... You're probably not faithful. <laughs> but let me tell you, even that boss, when he's out of town, the real boss that you report to is always in town. Amen. That's good. 
and he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Amen. Man, I really am trying to be encouraged. Is this encouraged? Can someone help me? <laughs> now, watch what Jesus says in closing in uh, uh, Luke 16 from verse 10 to 12. How much time is that? Three, three minutes? Oh, man, time flies when you're having fun. I wished it moved this fast on the treadmill. <laughs> you just get on and, yeah. And sometimes you try putting a towel on top of it, and then you, when you sneak up, it's like, ah, three minutes. I thought it was 16 minutes. Watch what it says in Luke 16, verse 10. This is Jesus giving us three different areas that we can start practicing uh, faithfulness. What does faithfulness even mean? Let me give you some synonyms. Uh, dependable. Are you dependable? Uh, dutiful, reliable, responsible, solid, uh, tried and true, trustworthy, unfaltering. These are synonyms uh, for the word faithful. When your boss gives you an assignment to do, uh, or when God gives you a, a, a business idea, are you dependable to execute and see it through when tough uh, times come against you? Or are you just going to quit? Amen. Man, we have to be dependable, reliable people, steadfast people. And I'm not even talking about the law, because sometimes grace people, uh, uh, you know, like to oppose me on this, and they say, yeah, but we're under grace, you know, pastor, we're under grace. Man, I'm not even talking about do's and don'ts. This is not about relationship with God. This is about influence that we're talking about. Because I'm preaching to you because I believe you are a leader. Amen. 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 And I'm preaching to you to empower you so that you can execute leadership at a high level. These are just great life qualities to have. Amen. These are just, you know, great uh, things to do, Nje. You know, just, you know. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. Just regular life. Just busy minding your own business and eating Nando's. At li- These are things you should just have. And God happens to reward you for them. How many would say, you know, you know, the least I can expect from a spouse is at least. You don't have to be Jennifer Lopez, good looking. or at The least you must be dependable. At least be dependable or reliable. <laughs> this is the least I'm going to ask for. In fact, if we ask the single you know, people to write down a list of things that they want, this may not even make it in the list. Is it talking about tall, dark, six-pack? <laughs> You know, which is valid. You know, it's valid. You should get tall, dark, six-pack, rich. Yeah, you should definitely pray, write down rich. Why would you believe God for, I've never understood that. To say broke. Why would you? No, not me. And you shouldn't be ashamed of it. So uh, a grace does not mean laziness. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 10 before we finish uh, here. 1 Corinthians uh, 15, verse 10. Uh, Quickly, this is the Apostle Paul uh, speaking about the grace of God. Watch what he says. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. How many of you know that we are what we are because of God's unmerited favor? He made us. He gives us all these ideas and visions and so on and so forth uh, liberally without any fault finding. And watch what else he says. And his grace toward me was not in vain. So the grace of God can be in vain. It was not in vain. Why the Apostle Paul says it was not in vain is the second part of that verse. He says, but I labored more abundantly than they all. If you read it in the New Living Translation, he says, I outworked them all, other apostles. If you read it in the NIV, he said, man, I worked harder than all of them. Amen. Amen. 
for I have worked harder than any of the apostles. Did you see that? So grace does not make you lazy. It's interesting that the apostle Paul puts working hard and grace in the same Bible verse. The grace Pharisees would stone you if you say work hard. Because they want to, you know, chill out. But the grace of God is also your fuel. So it's not just you working. He says, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. So God's unmerited favor will get you to do amazing things. It will just... It, man, it will just spring you forth into things that you couldn't do with your natural ability. But one thing it's certainly not going to make you do is be lazy. <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to get an amen. amen. But it's part of the job. Amen. The Lord told me, sometimes you get an amen, sometimes you don't. You know, right at the beginning, the Lord told me, he said, sometimes people will come with a few amens and they use them up quickly. <laughs> And then when you get to the end of your sermon, man, you're just alone because, you know, they decided they're only going to bring three. And they used one on my shoe when he was doing worship. They used another one on the announcements. By the time you get up to preach, man, they, they have spent, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking for an amen. The Lord told me, 16 verse 10 of Luke, right? Quickly, we're just going to read this. We're not even going to preach on it because I'm already out of time. He says, uh, he that is faithful in that which is least is also faithful in? And he who is unjust in that which is least is also unjust in? So this is another life principle we see Jesus uh, sharing, uh, particularly for us who are called uh, to the marketplace. Uh, You know, I talked about the guys who say, you know, right now I'm just entry-level position, so I'm only applying myself 10%. Uh, I'm not even going to bring my full throttle, but one day when they promote me, you know, I'm going to be faithful. No, we already know what you're going to do when they promote you. (laughs) Based on this verse. Amen. 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 He says, if you are faithful in the little, you'll also be faithful in promotion in March. Did you see that? He says, if you are unfaithful in the little, if you are, uh, uh, you know, clock watching, you know, you know, you clock watch, you, you, if you get to the uh, parking lot and it's quarter to eight, you will sit in the car so that you can walk in at eight. <laughs> and then when it's one o'clock in the middle of a project that is, you know, overdue and, the, you know, they really need you to at least apply yourself, it's one o'clock. You're just clock watching. You, 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 you're not applying yourself with your, your, your heart. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? If, you, if you're doing that, you're shortchanging yourself. That's not faithful. Yeah. Amen. 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 Oh, yeah, when you're printing your entire syllabus with company material and stuff. It's called stealing. It's not just, you know, printing. It's stealing. Amen. Amen. Man, God has called us to be faithful. You know what they should be doing? They should be sending us emails every week at Faith Hill Church, saying, hey, send us some of those Christians that yeah. come to your church. Because yeah. these are the, some of the hard, most hardworking yeah. people, most creative people, yeah. most humble people that we've ever known. Yeah. They should be sending us at the church to ask for uh, people to employ, just like they did with Jacob. Remember the story of Jacob and Laban? Laban was like, man, I can't get rid of you, Jacob. You have an anointing on you that's making my company prosperous. Yeah. He says, name your wages. 
That's what can happen to you when you are faithful. Now watch what Jesus says in verse 11. He says, therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust uh, the true riches? Last week we talked about some of the true riches. We talked about insight. You remember? We talked about favor. What else did we talk about? Kairos moments. And divine connections. You remember? We talked about all these things. These are what I like to call true riches from God. And here scripture is saying, you know, for marketplace leaders, of course, and here scripture is saying is, if, if, if we are not faithful in unrighteous mammon, if we are not faithful in dealing with uh, material things, in, in the realm of wealth and money and finances, how many of you know that when God blesses you with, with finances, a portion of it should be given back to him as a sign of honor and as a sign of acknowledgement that it is God who has given you the power to create wealth? That's uh, Deuteronomy 8, I believe, uh, verse 18. He says, Thou shalt remember the Lord, for it is he that has given you the power to create wealth so that he may establish uh, his covenant, which he swore unto his forefathers. When, when God says you should honor him with material things, it's really not about money because God owns everything. Yeah. It's about being able to manage uh, uh, unrighteous mammon. Amen? so that you can position yourself to manage uh, true riches. Man, if you can't manage finances in the realm of just dealing with runs, when power comes, which is another form of true riches, it will corrupt you. Have you ever heard people say power corrupts? No, power doesn't corrupt. It only corrupts people who are already unfaithful about certain things. Because now their unfaithfulness is just magnified. So God instructs us to be faithful in the realm of dealing with material things so that material things don't take over our hearts. Amen? Amen. It's really for our benefit. What's the last thing he says? Verse 12. And if you have not been what? Faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Amen. And I meet with a lot of young people, and they say to me, you know, Pastor T, I'm really believing God to start a business this year. And I asked them, um, how's work, where you're working right now? So oh, I hate it. I hate my boss. I hate the projects I'm on. Uh, you know, I hate it. So, you know, I, I make every excuse not to show up on time or to do anything because I just don't like it. And I tell them, you know what? You're probably going to fail in your own business. And they say, how can you know with such certainty? And we read here, if you, are not been, if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, if you are not faithful in someone else's business. Man, it's getting quiet up in here. <laughs> you know, I've met people who say, you know, uh, they're working on a project and God gives them insight. He gives them revelation. And um, they believe, you know, they're just not going to give this insight and this revelation to this company. You know, they, they really believe, you know, God has given it uh, to them for their own company. No, God doesn't do that. That's not true. When God gives you insight and revelation and uh, a problem-solving ability while you are employed in a company, he's given it to you for that company. Amen. 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 And when you say, you know what, I'm just going to hold on to this for when I start my own two things, you're saying there. Number one, you're not faithful in what is another man's. Number two, 
you have a, a mindset of scarcity because you think that's all you're ever going to get. You think this idea, this is all I'm ever going to get. But when you start having an abundance mindset, you know that there is more where that came from. You're going to give that idea to that company, give another one to your boss so you can shine. Man, you're just flossing ideas in, during that organization. You want an idea? I got one for you. You want an idea? You'll be going to the accounting department and say, what's going on here? Yeah, I've got an idea for you guys. <laughs> Amen. You'll be flowing in the, in, the, in the flow of ideas because you realize that there's so much abundance where that came from. But when you have a scarcity mindset, you think this is all that's ever going to come from God. You're going to hold on to it, and you're not going to give it to that company. You're not going to be faithful, and it's going to short-circuit your future. Did that help you? We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. <laughs>